Hello, and welcome to Second Helpings, a Grace Fellowship podcast designed to serve up another round of insight and application from our Sunday morning corporate worship gatherings. Pull up, dig in, and get filled as we take another taste of God's greatness. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Second Helpings. I am Pastor Zach, joined again by Pastor Dan. Uh, looking forward to going over what we were doing here yesterday in the service. Good service, man. Mm. It was. I was bragging with, in the staff meeting we just had a little bit ago about how our congregation was just pumping during the singing. We yeah. love that, right? Yeah, very much. The uh, we I talk with other worship leaders talk about you know having enough worship leaders, and I'm like, man, I got 300 of them. That's <laughs> good stuff, right? So it's a good time doing that. But we particularly want to focus on uh, the message from yesterday, which we were in Second uh, Timothy chapter four, verses three and five. But Dan, if you don't mind, I'm going to read verses one through five yeah, to put yeah, some context good. on for us. So just reminding us of the text it says, "I charge you again, Paul writing to Timothy." I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who was to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. And then in verse 3, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will churn away from listening to the truth. And wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So, Dan, there's a couple of things I just wanted to bring up. And one of the reasons I want to put the context in is um, uh, because when you start in verse 1 there, and he says, I charge you in the presence of Christ. And he says, you know, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. And then in verse 5, mm. endure suffering. I think it's funny, it seems to me that maybe, I don't know if it's just cultural, it's probably been every culture throughout time, it doesn't seem like suffering is something people are too keen on when preaching the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, oftentimes we'll run away from it. And I just wonder, do you think maybe one of the reasons not to do sound teaching could be, well, that ends up in hurting. But if I tweak it a little bit here and there, sure. maybe I can avoid the suffering, right? I think you see that in this text. Yeah, which is interesting because the idea of that particular thing, endure suffering, it's an imperative. So he's saying, this is your future. Yeah, it's going so to endure it. Yeah. In other words, that's this is the command you're called to. And so therefore, when you see that with complete patience and teaching, end of verse two, and then they won't endure sound teaching. So this is what you need to do. They won't endure that. They're coming a point. So that's translated you're going to suffer. You're going to go through difficulty. These are going to be Christians that are going to say you're too uptight. You're too narrow-minded. You don't love people. You don't accept people for who they are. God made them this way, so why don't you love them this way? And that's all part of the suffering. Now, to the degree that you continue with that and time continues to go by, more and more, like Jesus said, there's coming a point where people will think they're doing an act of God on God's behalf when they kill you, mm, mm, when they yeah. persecute you. Yeah, so right. in other words, how bad could it get? Yeah. It really bad. Yeah. So like with Christ, the religious leaders said, we're protecting our culture, our people from you. And they didn't realize this was God's mission to redeem them. Mm-hmm. And so that's where you, you really have to be careful uh, when you measure your success based on the acceptance of how people like your message. Be really careful, because that's the litmus test for false teachers. That's the litmus test for the Pharisees. That's 
So you just have to be very careful. What the world says is approval for somebody who is actively handling the Word of God. And if you're actively preaching the Word of God, you're actively frustrating, disappointing, hurting people, not because you want to, but just because they're living disconnected from the Lord. And so you want to love them. You want them to know you care for them. You're not saying this to hurt them, but you're saying that to hurt them, to heal them. Yeah. Because this is what the word says. Yeah. So that you live in a couple different worlds, and yeah. it's it's very challenging. And we got to be quick. Like the, the funny thing, it's a pendulum. It'll swing both ways. Because there'll be the other people that say, "Well, now you're being too open." I had this particular thing about the kingdom I like, and you're not focusing in on that. Sure. Now you're broad, and you're not doing sound teaching, yeah. right? So it's the it's the idea of the importance of what what is Paul talking about when he's saying sound teaching? I know you spoke about it some yesterday. Yeah. But we this last letter. He's written other letters. We can get a pretty good idea of what Paul means by sound teaching. Yeah, and what's really interesting about that is people often think, well, it's just doctrinal. It's just uh, conceptual. But actually, if you go all the way like First Timothy chapter 1, where he's talking about uh, the law, verse 8, uh, the law is not laid down for the just, but the lawless disobedient. And then he says things like ungodly sinners, unholy, profane, strike their fathers and mothers for murder, sexual immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. So in other words, when you take stands on things and you go, why is immorality wrong is because God has said this is the way you're supposed to live. Why is it uh, lying is wrong? Because God says he's the truth. Why is perjuring wrong? Because you're leveraging yourself against someone to gain something. It's a form of stealing. That's all unsound teaching or unsound doctrine. And there comes a point where people won't endure that. They'll go, hey, you said that was a lie. That was hurtful. Mm -hmm. You would say, hey, homosexuality is wrong, but they love each other. So that's 1 Timothy 1. Yep. We're, we're back here in 1 yep. Timothy 4. So it's not doctrine ethereal, just what you think. It's actually how you're living what you believe out. Yeah. And he says, they're not going to endure that. And when you're pointing out the thing that they're beginning to cherish, uh, whether it's the lying or perjury, homosexuality or disobedience, whatever, um, they love it so they don't like you because yeah. they love that. That's right. And so you have to simply point that out because you're going to hopefully show them Christ, show them God, and they repent from it. If you don't point that out, there's no chance for them to reform. There's no chance for them to change. Yeah. And you complicitly condone it. Totally. Right? By doing that, you're in a relationship with people. You don't call out their sin. You think it's loving. Condemning people is not loving. Yeah. That's what you're like. It's the guy that's sitting there, you know, I've got this bad headache. I don't know what to do about it. He's got an arrow in his head. Well, yeah, you're fine. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to get over yeah. it. And we sue doctors. Doctors lose their license and go to jail when someone has cancer and yeah. they never point it out and they never tell them they need surgery. And it's an expectation as a doctor. You're that's what you do. You give me the news I need to hear. You tell me the truth. So, what is love? Love is telling what people what they need to hear. Yeah. It doesn't mean love is when someone likes what you say, that's how you value or evaluate love. Love is when people enjoy what you said. No, love is telling people what they need to hear. And you can be incredibly loving and someone curse you to your face. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We could be incredibly loving and have people stick you on a cross. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's that's what it does. The idea of we can hit hit, hit this word around, you know, the, the short verse in the Bible, we talk about God is love. 
There's a lot there. Oh, my. It, it can mean way more than what sometimes people give credit for. But at the minimum, it does mean God is that thing which defines love. It is Him. So is it loving to allow somebody to remain in their godlessness? Mm. Like, on its face, that's foolish. No, it's absolutely yeah. not. Um, it could be painful. Yeah. But, I mean, that's what real love is. I actually – I remember Penn Teller from Penn & Teller. He was uh, had an interaction with a guy who gave him the gospel – and didn't become a Christian. But it was interesting, his reaction was uh, a really healthy one when he said uh, he respected the guy because the guy, if you really believe someone's going to go to hell without Christ, why wouldn't you tell somebody? Mm -hmm. And those people who crack on people going, well, they shouldn't tell me, they goes, wait a minute, if they believe that, they should tell you. Because it's... It makes perfect sense. Yeah, absolutely. That way, we, we would do that in any other circumstance. If somebody was walking into a, a burning building, you wouldn't say, hey, go enjoy your sandwich. Yeah, but, yeah. You're like, walking into traffic. And... You'd say, exactly. get out of traffic, tackle them, keep them out. We do that all the time. Yeah. And so I think sometimes Christians have to be careful not to be taken hostage by the world that says uh, love or Christianity means uh, just being a nice person. Yeah, yeah. And remember, and this is written by the same guy who in Romans is going to say, hey, what's the worst they can do? Kill you. Yeah. Right? I mean, sure. I guess the idea that, that this is how big of a deal this is, is that the idea of them actually taking your life doesn't equate to what's at stake. Like, yeah. that's a small price to pay for what is at stake. We're to proclaim this truth of the gospel, um, which is super, super important. So I think one of the things to hear that I wanted to point out, we talked a little bit before, is that it says in verse 3, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But he does, in fact, not say that the time is coming when they won't endure teaching. They actually do want teaching. It's yeah. that teaching that will itch their ears um, so they can accumulate for themselves their own passions. Yeah. And I've thought to myself whether or not it's false teaching from uh, – there, there's false teaching on whatever, however we want to break it down, the left, the right, whatever, all this stuff. But it's funny to me how when I typically see it, there's this commonality of the people that like it and want to say that the false teaching, the unsound doctrine is true – it seems like they're always getting something out of it. It seems like there's something that they might have already agreed with beforehand. Yeah. It seems to be a common stake, not just in our country. I'm sure it's like that in every culture. But it makes me wonder, should we should we just stop and go, if I'm hearing something, mm. it's a little bit different, and I really, really want it to be true, m- m- maybe pull my Bible out. Yeah. Maybe make sure. Is it really mm. in the text? Yeah, and I think the idea is, is that there's a sense in which so it says they gather together, they heap onto themselves false teachers. So they're looking for something. So this isn't like a an on and off switch. Over time, there's a migration to a craving yeah. that they desire. Yeah. And they gather people around them that will endorse that desire. Yeah. So that's where a pastor is a co-belligerent in this. Mm. So they want that. And mm. he's coming in yeah. to approve that's it. Good. And that's when you look at the false teachers in the past, when in Ezekiel and Jeremiah, which we read from yesterday, and one of the hallmarks of a bad teacher is he always tells you what you like to hear. Mm. In other words, you leave feeling inspired every week mm. towards some self-actualization. Yeah. If, if you're always feeling inspired and feeling good about your life, Pretty good chance you're listening to a false teacher. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because ultimately, the Word of God that is there to, it corrects us. Yeah. It, it changes the way we see reality because we see reality that is meant to bend toward us. Yeah. But God is distinct and different, so therefore, necessarily, we should be going, 
oh, I was wrong, or I'm not thinking well about that. And if you've never been challenged like that, guaranteed, you've got a false pastor in your yeah. life. And maybe that's a good way to practice being sober-minded is maybe maybe you go, maybe be a helpful event for all of us to go through our, uh, whatever your preferred social media platform is, for me it'd be you, my YouTube, go through the history of it and say, how many of these people are teaching me or saying things about the Lord that are making me go, oh, that's making much of God, and it's showing me that I'm not a lot like him. Yeah, yeah. Or is it going, oh, you know what? I was right about that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I like what this guy said. I knew I was right about that. And what's <laughs> wild is is that YouTube and those types of things are custom to turbocharge this. Oh, so because Because yeah. you can shut the guy off. You I can shut it. the guy And what happens, he gets less viewers, less viewers, less viewers. Yeah. When the guy you don't shut off and people like get more viewers, and eventually they fill the space. Yeah. And it's actually perfect for this kind of dynamic. Yeah. And so therefore, you have to be very careful. Yeah. When someone has millions and millions of followers, or hundreds of thousands at least, yeah, you're probably leaning toward this guy is unsound. Yeah. Because yeah. how do you get there? You get there by doing and saying things that people want to hear. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a general idea that, that we will all, as Christians, faithful uh, followers of Christ, not that we will all be unpopular. Yeah. But, but there should be a lot of us who are popular. <laughs> Yeah, and you, and you can be you can be popular, I guess. But if if there's no okay, you're popular in these areas, but wow, you speak out against this, so people go, I'll endure him because of these things. These things are good, but when you touch on this issue or this issue or this issue that society is putting its the thumbs down marker, yeah. um, there should be a drop off, and you should expect that if you're doing these types of things, that you're going to take some heat. Yeah. Well, and you know, something that's important to point out here too, because I just I was thinking about our context and social media and all that stuff of where we live. Um, it is important to remember when he's talking about sound doctrine, Paul's doing this all the time. He's always talking about the gospel, which we, we talk about here. We don't talk about this transactional gospel that people yeah. think of the small way. It's not just your Jesus get out of hell free yeah. card thing. Yeah. We're talking about the epic story of from creation to redemption and God making a people for himself to display who he is yeah. and Christ being the centerpiece for how that's accomplished. But when you're seeing that, which I, would be Paul's gospel, right, is what he talks about. Um, it's funny. I think the reason people will want to go off whether or not somebody is a sound teacher, or they're getting sound doctrine or unsound doctrine, it, it seems to not generally be about that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, and I don't even know, it almost seems like it's not uh, uh, in vogue to talk about the gospel in that mm. sense. It's let's talk about these other things and we'll bring the gospel along with us later on and it'll all get worked out. Yeah. And I think, well, I don't think we see Paul, we see Jesus kind of be like, um, no, 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 you're, you're, the filter is wrong here, yeah. right? Yeah. The, the, you can't, I remember somebody had said to me, I, I guess maybe, I don't know, maybe I talk about the gospel too much and maybe I'm not clear enough in making the distinction of what gospel I'm talking about. Uh, but somebody said, well, the gospel um, can't take care of teaching your kids and fixing the public school system. And I thought, I, I think maybe you're not thinking about the gospel the yeah, way I'm yeah, thinking yeah, about that's it. that's right. Because when I'm thinking yeah. about the redemptive work of the creator of the universe yeah. to restore to me the ability to bear his image, yeah. uh, I'm going to interact with the school system in a certain way. Yeah. Like he would, right? Yeah. So I think maybe one of the things it's easy for us to do is go, let's forget about that. Let me agree or disagree yeah. with somebody on this thing. But the problem is when you come back to the gospel, are you bringing their version of it now? Yeah. Have they tainted it? I think that's exactly what Paul's dealing with, or Timothy's dealing with, with Ephesus. And Paul's saying, go back to the source, Tim. Yeah. Remember, stay true yeah. to the cause and what it is. It doesn't mean he was like, don't talk about anything. Yeah. Right? We assume from historical records that Christians were involved in their environment. Yeah. We assume that because 
they killed him, right? They didn't like the way they were involved with it. Sure. Um, what was it that the Lord's Supper early in Rome, they thought it was weird because they thought they were actually eating these babies that they yeah. were saving. Like there was nobody yeah. else saving the babies that were left on the curbs. Christians saved them and yeah. they're accused of eating them. So we know they were active because of what it was. And there's no way they weren't doing that. Yeah. But he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. The, what we're about is the redemption of man for the glory of God. And it, I, that should be an easy thing for us to agree on. It would be interesting to do almost a unique podcast just on culture, American culture and Christianity, simply because we often leverage Christianity to change culture mm. versus the nature of the gospel, which is just good news. Mm. So if you think of that, the word good news, how you apply that it's it's everywhere. So it's the good news that God exists, the good news that Jesus Christ came, good news is my sins are forgiven. So it applies to tons of stuff. So it's a broad term. Yeah. But very often when Christians use good news, they think propositionally, so I've got to tell somebody how they could be forgiven and Christ died for their sins. And they think that's the sum total. Yeah. So if, how can that change a school system? Well, I'm just going to give the gospel to everybody. And then you go, hold on a second, let's back it up. So that broad term, the implication is, when I am at the school board meeting, I'm a redemptive force yes. for society. So I'm, Being I'm, yeah, I'm loving my neighbor yeah. as myself. My neighbor doesn't even know what they need, but they need people that are moral. They need people that are focused on education, not social engineering, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm going to be there, speak my mind, be very engaged on that. And I'm being good news to them. Sure. I'm loving them as myself. And as I gain influence in their life, I want to give them Right. how they could know Christ. Right. But it's never one-dimensional that it's just merely the propositional gospel. There's a transformational dynamic that wherever I'm at, the gospel is the good news. That's what people need. They need to know God exists. They need the truth exists. They need to know stealing is wrong because God is there. That's the idea, the holistic or organic gospel. So we talk about gospel and, the, and what we need. The, the society needs the gospel. Public school needs the gospel. My neighbors need the gospel. It flexes yeah. upon an axis of it may be that I need to have that one-on-one -on -one conversation and introduce what Jesus did for them and how they can have their sins forgiven. Or it could be that I need to speak out on this social right. issue because I need to be the voice for God in redemption in history and right is right and wrong is wrong. And we do pursue justice and we support that right. and personal responsibility. If you don't have a job, can get a job, get a job. And we engage. So all of that's good news. Yeah. All of that's gospel. And people often think poorly about it because they look at the gospel as a way to increase society or improve society. No, mm. that's not our goal. The yeah. goal is to live out how Christ has made us and introduce people to it. And then necessarily people do change, right. which will lead to a change, but we don't focus on change. So Justin Martyr, uh, one of the first apologists in church history, uh, he did the same thing. Yep. So he's trying to give the gospel. But one of the things he said is to the Roman Empire, why are you persecuting us? We tell the truth. We say you should tell the truth. We pay our taxes. We tell people to pay the taxes. So it's not that he didn't give them the gospel in the fact that Jesus died and rose again. Yeah. But he goes, listen, we bring the gospel right. with us. Yeah. We bring the good news of a people. And that's good for society because yeah. society wants it. The state wants people like that. Yes. And so that's all good news. Yeah. That's all gospel yeah. living. And what they do. And, and they paid attention to it, but, but they killed them. They killed them. Like yeah. The point, like it's the thing is the 
He, Justin Martyr didn't get killed because he said, repent and be saved. Yeah. He got killed because he said, as redeemed people, the power of the gospel makes us live this way. Yep. And they said, no bueno, you're out. And we're not going to, we're going to have to deny it. And when they said, well, listen, like Athanasius, just say, uh, talk about the fact that you embrace, uh, you turn away from atheism mm. or because he was a monotheist. Yep. So they said, just say away the atheist. Yep. Just say that. And so we'll know that you're you're condemning what our people think of Christians. Yeah. So it was a sense in which it's not even a repeal. He didn't even have to repent. Yeah. But what did he do when he was in the Roman Colosseum? He pointed all of them and said, away That's the right. atheists, because they were the one with the issue. So he could have gotten away with it. And he goes, no, in sincerity, this would be wrong. It would yep. be a lie. And in his last dying breath, he pointed out, you are alienated yeah. from God. And if my death has to be a cost of that, to point this out to you, that's what I'll do. And yeah. that's what he did. And that's what it means to be a gospel-centered people, yeah. right? Is that it does... I mean, he basically said, here's my neck, cut where you Oh, want. and it was Polycarp, not Athanasius. That's a different story. Uh, it, was yeah, poly, right. it was Polycarp. That's funny, though. Like, I'm just following... Like, I'm sure I remember the story. Remember yeah, the yeah, names. yeah. It's funny. But there is the idea of that... Uh, and I wonder about this. When you think of the gospel that way, mm -hmm. like it's gotten a little popular to belittle the gospel, unfortunately, I think, and to try to make it this thing. Yeah. We go like, oh, you're just trying to hide behind it. No, no, no. When we're oh, talking about the gospel like this, mm -mm. but I think maybe people, whether they implicitly know it or they're not thinking about it, you realize when you stand for the true full gospel, there's usually a price to be paid. Yeah, there That's has what to Paul be. Paul is saying. Yeah, That's what happens with sound teaching. Yeah. So if you think that people are standing behind a gospel that requires no ponying up, yeah, that's not the gospel we're talking about. There, no, this is deficient. Yeah, start John fourteen one, move through John sixteen, yeah. particularly in fifteen, you'll see that he's warning them. Yeah. I'm going away. I'm going to prepare a place, but then he's warning them. This is how they're going to receive you. Yeah. This is how they're going to think of you. This is how they're going to react to you. Yeah, and it's not going to be good. But he tells them that because that's going to be a visible demonstration of the birthright that you are not of this world. If you are not of this world, the people of the world at some point should go, I don't like you and I'm going to pose you because the message that I think you should be giving is not the message you're giving. And at that point you just go, okay, thank you, Lord. Thank you that this persecution is coming because this is showing me that I actually am on the right, that's right. right road. That, it, we don't want to die but it makes sense that they should want to kill us. Yeah. And it's only the grace of God that I think they don't, that he holds back and we are allowed to continue. It's his grace to the lost and to those that he's still going to redeem for himself that we're allowed to proclaim the gospel with them not taking us all out. Because yeah. just left to their natural means, it would make sense. Wipe them out. They're in the way. And right now, it, it we talk a good game in the States, but there are people actually living this They're out, good. whether yeah. in, in Africa, uh, in Muslim countries. So we, we are a bit, you know... We're soft. I mean, in that regard, we talk about the little persecution that we get. Yeah. But there are people actually living this out, and we thank the Lord for them because it shows, it gives us an inspiration to go, wow, I thank you that you are showing that dedication, living that out. So we're being inspired by that. We pray for them and want to encourage people I, in it. I heard one of these guys say, um, I'm man enough not to hide behind the gospel. And apart from the fact that it was good, it was a video, because I don't know if I could keep my uh, composure and not deck them. I immediately thought, you tell my brothers who get acid poured on them in India yeah. that they're not man enough for hiding behind the gospel. And then what they do after they get healed, they go out and they do it again. Yeah, you tell me what a man is. You, you go be a man with whatever, your flannel and your comments. Yeah, that sounds like a Western <laughs> mentality. <laughs> yeah, of, no. You know, Clint Eastwood yeah. kind of... It, 
If you think the gospel is a deficient tool, yeah. can yeah. I please help you understand that the tool is not the problem? Yeah, that's the right. user is the one that's deficient. Yeah. Right? It's, that's or you right. need to get, or you don't have the gospel. So yeah. this is the stuff, these are yeah. real stakes, and maybe it is part of our the ease that we've been blessed with in our country for so long. Yeah. And I get that we can be flipping out a little about that the ease is being taken away. But just because the, this time of ease for being a Christian in America might be fading away, uh, our calling is no different. No. It's just, maybe it's harder. Yeah. But we still pursue because it's worth it. And that's why Paul's saying, look, I'm about to get taken out. I, I'm coming yeah. towards the end. Timothy, hear me and keep enduring. You, you, you go out till you get taken out too. Yeah, and there's an incredible beauty that you go, yeah, it's getting harder, but there's a sense in which that draws you to Christ. So in, in, in a real way, yeah, it's harder, but it's better. And there's this the symbiotic relationship. Yeah, it's harder, but it's better. It's even more harder. It's even even better. And that's how it's supposed to work. Yeah. And the people that go, it's getting harder. Oh, I don't like this. It's getting a lot harder. I really can't endure this. I've got to walk away. I've got to... Then you go, wow, you were never one. Yeah. And you were never that's a disciple. Right. Because true disciples are called by Christ, recognize His voice, and they persevere. That's right. And so when our hearts would condemn us, go, are you really a Christian? When we face those things, we can see our life and go, yeah, I am, because I'm going to embrace Christ and I'm going to walk through this door, even if it means that people won't like me, I'll still tell the truth. And in that sense, Christ says, you should thank the Lord, that He is your Lord. Yeah. You have a heavenly Father in heaven, so when people persecute you and you still long for home, that's a, an encouraging thing. Yeah. That's an interesting story we thought about. Um, this was a couple years ago in my house. Uh, so everybody knows, like, I carry this thing around, right? Like, the I tower. Jug, right? And the people will ask me this question that I think is a little silly, but I get they understand. They go, how much water can you hold in that? And I'll say, I don't know. I've never <laughs> put water in it, right? Because I don't drink water. Um, I don't like water. That's probably why I don't drink it. And we were talking at the house. I said, um, it's funny. Like, if you were to ask me, like, my best drink of water... It's usually, I think about the taste of water coming out of a hose, like a mm. garden hose, yeah. or out of um, like a, the old Gatorade buckets. And we're like, that's so weird. Like people drink fancy water now, right? Yeah, like yeah. they get the all French Alps, whatever. That, that stuff is disgusting to me. So I just because we do this and we'll turn things around in my head, I thought, you know, you only drink water out of a hose. Or for me, I've only really drank water out of a hose or out of one of those buckets on the football field. And I am waxed. Mm. I am worn out. I am spent. Yeah. And that water tastes good. That's right. And it made us think about, isn't there a kingdom principle there? Yeah. To where Jesus' sweetness, the water doesn't change, right? Same water. Jesus' sweetness doesn't change. The Lord's glory doesn't change. But when you're stressed and you've been up against it and you've been sweating out for the kingdom, it seems like you taste better. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. sweeter. Yeah, it's so good. Good. It is good stuff. And I think that's exactly what Paul's talking about here. I mean, he's about to talk about <laughs> these drinks, you know, and coming towards the end of it. So... Um, good stuff. Uh, we continue on this topic forever. I think we should, actually. I mean, not now, but I would say this is a conversation we need to continue to have, particularly in a world that's so confused about the gospel. So we're actually, I just said, I just on Facebook posted a message from R.C. Sproul, um, our former Presbyterian, now Baptist brother. Um, That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, about what is the gospel, and I'm going to put out some more on Facebook. So if you guys want to go check that out, just leave some things talking about this real gospel, the gospel Paul was talking about, and telling Timothy to stand on mm. and endure well, I commend those to you. So yeah. we'll continue. We're yeah. going to go on here. We are talking about Paul now. He's going to be pivoting to mm. telling Timothy, look, man, it's been good, but I'm about to go home. How do you finish well? That's right. So looking forward to that this coming week. Uh, until we do, we thank you guys for, get, for joining us again. Uh, looking forward to joining with you on this Sunday and enjoying exalting our Lord. Until then, you stay focused on spreading God's fame, making disciples of Jesus Christ, and enjoying every moment of it. 
we'll see you later. <laughs>